Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. This week on IG2G, we're going to make you pray, we're going to make you strafe back and forth, I'm going to get a little personal with a 114-hour experience I just had, and we got a whole lot more. So stay tuned, boys and girls. Now let's check out what's on the store shelves. Top 5 Releases In the number 5 spot, we got that game Prey. Ooh, published by Bethesda Softworks, developed by Arcane Studios. It was released on May 5th, 2017, and it's all about a man who goes into a mysterious place and does things and then doesn't know what happens. When aliens start to go crazy, they mimic cups, they mimic chairs. It's terrifying. He has no idea what's happening. If this sounds like something that interests you, hey, stay tuned because we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Coming up at number four, we got Loco Roco Remastered for PS4. This launched on the 9th of May for 15 bucks as a downloadable game. It's a remaster of the 06 PSP game. I believe there are four of the Loco Roco games out there, but they were all released for handheld. So if you never got a PSP like I didn't, I've always wanted to get into the Loco Roco games because they look pretty clever. It's kind of like a, a somewhat puzzly slash platformer type game. Really cute graphics. It looks phenomenal, up to HD. So go check that out if you're interested. Number three spot, we got the Minecraft Switch Edition that launched on the 11th of May. If you guys don't know what Minecraft is by now, you know, welcome back from living under a rock for the past, like, I don't know, 1800 years. If you don't have Minecraft on the go and you want to get it for your Switch, now's your chance. I'm just going to state for the record that this is the perfect home for Minecraft. Oh yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I, th- I think it's also available for mobile phones and all that stuff, but if you don't have a good mobile phone and you've got a Switch and you want to play your Minecraft on the go... Plus, as we know, mobile is inferior. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I was going to say, if Howard plays Minecraft on his phone, I'm assuming it's pretty dumbed down. Especially if Howard's playing it. At number two, we've got Strafe. This game was developed by Pixel Titans, published by Devolver Digital. It was released on May 9th of 2017. What this game is, is it's a homage, an homage, an homage to the 1990s first-person shooter games genre, whatever you want to call it, Doom, Quake, etc. You guys know what I'm talking about. The, the whole premise on here is they're just going in, having a good time, getting back to nature with the natural Quake and Doom worlds. The cool part about this one is that the dungeons, or maps, whatever you want to call them, are half partially procedurally generated. So every experience might be slightly different. Therefore, you know, going in, doing more playthroughs, which from what I hear, the game is extremely difficult, and you will be playing through some of these maps for sure. That just sounds pretty damn cool. And I remember back in the day playing Quake a ton. And, oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. If you want to hear a little bit more about it, stay tuned. All right, in the number one slot this week, we got... Two story DLCs for two highly acclaimed games from earlier this year. First up, we got the Neo DLC, Dragon of the North. That dropped on the 2nd of May. It gives you new locations, new bosses, a new weapon. And I believe it also launched alongside the free PvP update. So if you want to do some multiplayer duels with your buddies in that game, go grab this up. The second one of my DLC 2-pack is the Near Automata DLC, which also dropped on the 2nd of May. This DLC is titled 3C3C... 1D1194402297. Apparently gives you guys an arena mode, but it's not the typical, 
you know, arena mode DLC that you're used to getting from all these other kind of substandard games. From what I've heard, it's kind of like the, the story of the arena mode really kind of deconstructs your traditional views on arena mode. Bring your preconceptions in and be prepared to have them shattered with the new Near Automata DLC. Number five. So the first one we're going to go ahead and chat about today is Prey. This game was, as said, developed by Arcane Studios, published by Bethesda. And if you loved Bioshock, this game is going to be something that's probably right up your alley. And I'm not talking about Infinite. I'm talking about the original Bioshock. I went ahead and downloaded the one-hour demo, and I took a peek at it. So the first thing I noticed that the game was good-looking, but of course I've just come off playing Horizon, so I immediately was like, oh, all right, well, this is kind of a, a last step, a step back from what I just got done playing, but still looked good, and I, I found it intriguing. And what it is, just a quick overhaul for those who don't know already, you you pick either male or female. You're part of this family line who's like scientists, geniuses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you get called into this this facility by a, what appears to be an uncle, family member of some sort, and they start doing these tests on you. Well, you don't know that this is happening, and obviously stuff goes wrong. These these little mimics, these little alien creatures, come in, start killing people. And then you are like, oh, what's going on? This is crazy. Ah. And then away you go. You know, your door opens. You find out you're in a facility. You weren't actually part of some big, cool experimentation with all this, you know, big building corporation stuff going on. And away you are. I won't say anymore just in case somebody's interested. But, you know, even in the hour demo, which was pretty cool, as it goes, you start learning real quick, like stuff that's happening, what's going on. What you, how you were involved in things, and uh, the thing that really turned me off, I gotta say, was you immediately start with a wrench, and that's your weapon, and then the mimics, the little ones anyway, they just like kind of skitter around, hop around, and then you're just trying to billy club them to death, and it just felt Bioshocky, it just felt like that old school, you know, first person shooter, and I was like, oh man. I was going to say like uh, like Half-Life 2 when you got the crowbar going after the head crab things. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. And I can't, and I, I hear so many good things because in this game, what happens is you can you can go up using weapons, you know, you get pistols, you get other weapons, you know, normal human weapons, mm-hmm. but you also start to gain alien abilities and then you can go that route. So this game could vastly change as it go as it progresses and from this dumb wrench where you're just clunking around hitting stuff and become something much better. But, you know, for the majority of that demo, you're using a, a wrench. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. Now, here's my question. Is the wrench actually effective against the little things? Or is it like, here's the only thing I got, and it takes like a while to hit them? Or? No, it's about two hits. Oh, well. So you get them twice, they're dead. Okay. But it's that, like, I keep trying. It's hard to, you know, of course, say over a podcast, but... Mm-hmm. It's that old school hitting. Like, you're just kind of like, womp, womp. Oh, okay. oh, I missed. Or I, I it seems like I hit him, but mm. apparently I didn't. You know what I mean? So there was that. And then, of course, early on, I knew there was something behind a window. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can pick up items in this game and throw them and stuff. So I was like, well, this would be really cool if I could pick up this uh, brick here and throw it through the window and just blow the whole thing out of proportion right from the word go, you know? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be mean? But, of course, they don't allow you to do that. 
So you know, part of me was sad because I'm like, oh, you let me pick up all these items. And, and this is the cool part about the game is you can interact with all sorts of stuff. Oh, okay. And they've got, you know, they've got cool little pictures, posters, notes, all sorts of cool stuff all over the place. So if you take the time to look in every room and kind of explore, take your time, have a good time, take your time, have a good time, explore with the time. You know what I'm saying. Good, good. Utilize the time. Utilize it. Uh-huh. I think there's a lot going for this game. Unfortunately, I didn't really get into Bioshock at all. Just wasn't my jam. I played probably 15, 20 hours of it and just fell off. And I feel like that's what I would do with this particular game. But if you like it, I think this is going to be something pretty cool. Now, I've I've seen the, you know, I've seen bits of that first hour demo. I haven't played through it myself just, but I wasn't ever really sure what the tone of this game was going to be like all the all the marketing and stuff and even like the first like i said those first chunks of the demo that i've seen makes it look like a horror game but the way you're saying where you get a wrench and you get to club stuff and you get to walk all around and read stuff it doesn't sound sounds like the actual moment to moment gameplay of it is more not action based but like you said kind of exploration bioshock based so i it really kind of confused as to what like I said, what tone they're going for here. The horror, the only part of the horror vibe I caught was in the fact that the mimics obviously can turn into anything, and they like to do so. So you'll come into a room, and you're trying to figure out what's going on, how do you get out of this room, because there's all sorts of puzzles, etc., etc. you got to figure out to get out of rooms. And you walk up to a table, for example, and sitting there's a coffee mug. And, you're like, da, 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 and all of a sudden, the coffee mug leaps at your face and tries to eat you. Nice. So it's those little jump scares that happen, and then later on, you start to have to just be cognizant of things that are slightly off. Like, why is a fire hydrant sitting here in this particular spot? That doesn't make sense. And sure enough, a mimic will come out and try to kill you. So that's where the scares come from. I think that's where they're going with that. But It's not mm. like the main focus of the game. Gotcha, gotcha. But obviously it builds tension for you because now you just can't trust anything in that environment. You have to be wary of everything around you. Mm. So that's what they're going for, I think. Okay, so it does kind of make, it would kind of behoove you to actually explore each room and figure out what's where and what's what. I think what I think would be really cool, I don't know if they did this or not, but since you said you can pick up and interact with so many things, if there were moments of, you know, oh, here's a clipboard let me with what looks like no time, let me pick it up, and your character goes to reach and lifts it up, and then, wah, it's a freaking mimic in your face. Like, mm-hmm. if they if they subvert your expectations like that, I think it would be really interesting. I don't know if they did or not, obviously, because I don't have the game, but just another thing that when you were speaking, it just popped in my head. Like, oh, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, here's another here's another audio log. Let me pick it up and... Psh, oh, jeez! And lastly, just like in Bioshock, obviously, uh, the the world or environment you, you're playing most of this game in it's large, but it's not huge. So you will be doing lots of backtracking, et cetera, et cetera, to unlock rooms that previously you couldn't get to, things like that. So just be aware that it's, you're not going to get some giant vista of a you know, world like Horizon or the new Zelda, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's more of a closed game, but lots of backtracking and figuring puzzles out, that kind of thing. Cool. Sounds pretty so, cool. Sounds up your alley. It is out currently as we speak. For the PS4, Xbox One, PC, all that good stuff. Sounds good, man. Not for the Switch, though. Not for the Switch. Sorry, boys and girls. You had to to sneak in boys and girls at some point. I did. Had to. Number four. Next up, 
Anyone who follows me on Twitter at the Real Doc Funky would know that I beat Persona Five last week. I think it was on uh, what Friday night. I finally beat it. Put a hundred, almost one hundred and fourteen hours into that game. Figured I'd give you guys a little bit of my, you know, kind of my wrap up thoughts on it. Not, you know, no spoilers or anything, obviously. And then give you guys a little bit of insight into New Game Plus because, like I said, I put almost 114 hours into it. I've put even more into it since. I think I've passed the 120-hour mark, maybe. One thing I've found that is really interesting is that this game, which does take up this enormous chunk of your time, obviously, also really respects it. Like we've said before, there's so many things that this game does to streamline the combat systems, you know, even just like the travel systems. You can fast travel anywhere you've been already just, you know, to meet up with your confidants or if you get a text message from a buddy in the game, you can instantly respond and instantly go there instead of, oh, I have to walk all the way across the map, get on the get on the subway train, get go across that map, get on another train, go walk to him. It's just bam, bam, you can go instantly anywhere. And I found that this respect of your time transfers into New Game Plus even more so because, like we've said, once you find an enemy's elemental weakness, you can hit one button, it'll automatically pick the right skill to target that enemy. If he's weak against gunfire, you'll pull out your gun and be aiming at the enemy right away. So you can just bam, 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 step through that combat. Now, when you transfer to New Game Plus, you keep your entire uh, Persona compendium, your entire list of you know all the info you have on Personas. So as soon as you meet those enemies again in New Game Plus, you automatically know all their stats, all their weaknesses. And the other cool thing is, once you knock them down and you hold them up, normally you have to you know, kind of talk to the enemies if you want to, you know, recruit them, if you want to take that persona in. But when you get a new game plus, they'll get knocked down. And their first line of dialogue when you try to initiate conversation with them is like, hmm, don't I know you from somewhere? Anyway, let's talk. And then you have the option of, you know, okay, sure, fine. And going through the normal dialogue tree. But then your second option is, uh, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time with that. And they'll go, oh, man, you're kind of rude. But, you know, that I am too, so it and it jumps right into you recruiting that persona. Oh, I wish that was in the regular game, Matt. Oh, God, I wish. <laughs> it can be frustrating, too, when you don't know what dialogue options to choose. And I'm going to knock down this really powerful persona I've been having a lot of problems with. And then I screwed up the dialogue. Now he's attacking me even more. Oh, geez, what am I going to do now? I almost died today because of that very exact scenario. Mm-hmm. I, I have a couple times in the later dungeons when enemies get really, really tough, I've had that same thing happen. Like, oh, finally, I knocked him down just because of a lucky critical that somebody got. And it's like, I really want this persona, but the trade-off, I don't think I'm going to know what to say to him, so I'm just going to ask for an item and get him get him out of here, get him out of my way. But yeah, that's there's that, so it streamlines not only the combat, but the you know recruiting methods basically and another thing it does is one thing it carries over all your social stats you can upgrade you know your knowledge charm all that stuff we talked about before all that carries over into new game plus so if you maxed out all your stats like i did now you don't have to spend any time reading books going to the gym doing anything to train that up so you have all this free time to just spend with your companions your your confidant links those stats don't carry over but like i said you have 10 times more free time now, so you can level them up faster. And speaking of leveling them up faster, there's a certain holiday, I'm not going to spoil anything, that if you spend it, if you're in a relationship and you spend it with, you know, your significant other in the game, she will give you a present. And if you look in the description of the present, it's, you can level up your confidant link much faster if you're holding a persona of the same arcana as that person. 
in the base game, when you're spending time with your confidants, every every dialogue response you choose can give them, you know, points towards leveling them up. But once you level them up once, sometimes you can't level them up again on the very next hangout. You'll have to go and spend time with them at a different location and get, you know, get yourself closer and closer to leveling them up. But with this special item that carries over into New Game Plus, every time you hang out, they're guaranteed to level up. So if you've spent a lot of time on one particular person and, you know, you had to do a lot of side stuff instead of the actual level up conversations, if you're holding this item, you're leveling up up every single time you hang out. So again, it's just another time saver. You don't have to go and spend a full, you know, three full days going and talking to the doctor lady to get her leveled up to get the next bonus. You spend one day go talk to her. She's leveled up. Now you got free time to either go talk to her again and level up or go talk to your other buddies and level them up, you know, progressively. I I just thought it was really interesting how this game, which you can sink hundreds upon hundreds of hours into, does all it can to streamline your time in it, to, you know, take out anything that would be, you know, super annoying to work through. Oh, I know Jack-O-Lantern is weak to something, but I can't remember because it's been 120 hours since I last fought it. Now I know because it just just gives you that info. And one other time saver I forgot to mention earlier, I'll try and buzz through it real quick, but all your, you know, your actual levels reset back to level one, but it carries over all your equipment and, like I said, your entire persona compendium. And what you can do is summon any persona of any level and use it immediately. So you're running around level one in the very first palace, but I'm bringing my level 74 persona in. So my main character is just one-shotting enemies left and right. And if you want to, you can even put on all your you know, your last boss equipment and have everybody one-shotting enemies left and right. So, oh man, got to go through the first palace again. It's easy. Just put everybody's max level stuff on, hammer through everything real quick. Just another great thing from another amazing game that just, like I said, it respects your time. It's just... It just allows you to focus, of course, more on getting more story for your characters, having fun. Like you were saying, doing all them side things, you know, going to the batting cages going fishing, like mm. stuff I don't touch and know I'm never going to touch until New Game Plus because I just don't have the time. Which is what really fleshes out the world and makes it, you know, it makes it a world you don't want to leave. Like I said in my tweet after I finished the game, I put in almost 114 hours and I can't wait to go back into it just because, you know, not because of the story itself, which is phenomenal, but because of all the side stuff, all the side stories. It's kind of like Yakuza 0 that way. The main story is great, but what really makes the world fantastic and make it, makes it breathe, makes it feel alive is the time you spend outside of the main story, doing the side activities, hanging out with your buddies. You know, once the story is over, man, I really miss Ryuji and Anne and spoiler, 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 spoiler characters. Well, this gives you the opportunity to go back into it, not spend so much time grinding in the dungeon, but just, bam, okay. Blew through the dungeon real quick. Now I'm hanging out with my buddies again. Just just phenomenal. Persona 5 love. So, so in the end, uh, A+, plus, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, phenomenal max score. I don't believe in giving scores, but easily one of my favorite RPGs of all time, favorite games of this year, 100%. Number three. So next up, we'll talk a little bit more in depth on Strafe, who once again was developed by Pixel Titans, published by Devolver Digital. This project was kickstarted, and so you know, I just like to note that because 
I love seeing some of these Kickstarter programs or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to call them, actually come to fruition and be successful and make it out. And of course, you know, just allow the people who spent the money to back them to see what they, you know, what they believed in come to life. Because there's a lot of projects you hear about that don't get there or they get in a stagnant pool for years and years and all sorts of other problems, which makes me scared of, you know, kickstarting stuff because I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you hear so many horror stories about Kickstarter that it's really nice to see all these good ones. I I do wish they got a little more press, though. You'd be like, hey, the game you guys kickstarted, bam, strafe. Versus it's like, hey, a game came out, and there's not a lot of buzz behind it being a Kickstarter game. I don't Mm -hmm. feel anyway. No, there's definitely doesn't really talk about being a Kickstarter game that much. But it was released May 9th. It is on the PlayStation 4 and, of course, PC, Mac. So... It's 19.99, I believe, or 19.96, one of those two for those two, you know, the different platforms. And as I stated when we mentioned it in its release, it is a homage to first-person shooters. I would clump it in with Quake more than I would Doom because the gameplay, and I watched a whole bunch of it, is really fast-paced, very brutal. You know, when you shoot an enemy, limbs are flying, blood's flying, and this isn't true in Doom as well, but... Quake was just this, like, really just fast-paced. Enemies didn't diddly-daddle, whereas in Doom, they all had, like, a set speed, and, you know, and it became, like, a quick, easy pattern to get used to. So this one is definitely a much faster-paced game. It's merciless. You let these enemies get at you, and they can kill you in a couple swipes, you know, and they're, they're wielding hammers or wrenches or knives or whatever it is they've got. And as I stated... The, the levels are you know partially procedurally done so it just takes like if you're in the the boat scenario and I'm just making this up it's going to take all the pieces of said boat scenario and mix them all up and put it together now that's what really has me interested when you when you first said it you know during the uh, during the intro bit I was like man that sounds phenomenal because especially like you said it, it it's a pretty brutal game. So there's been a lot of, you know, first person shooters or any other kind of games where you run through it and you're like, okay, I died. Well, once I turn this corner, that's when the two demon, you know, demon bears are going to jump out and attack me. So I know I'm going to get this weapon out. But if, like you said, oh, I'm going to turn this corner and now it's a completely different area or a completely different part of the hallway with completely different enemies really keep, would keep you on your toes. That That's kind of an exciting, uh, exciting prospect for me. Yeah, but unfortunately, I don't think it's every time you die. It'd be, it would be say if you had to shut it off because you got frustrated and couldn't do that, and then uh, you had to okay. redo it, it would, it would you know procedurally generate a new one. But it, uh, if, okay, okay. if you're just going through your lives, it'll stay the same for that particular playthrough. Okay, well, completely never so, mind what I said. So, yeah. hey, hey, Devolver Digital, <laughs> if you guys are hearing this podcast, yeah, maybe I'll, put a patch in and make right. it super cool. Make it super <laughs> procedurally. Like Every single time I die, everything changes. I can't. I can never get used to anything. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I mean, what what an awesome concept, right? It actually is. That's pretty freaking sweet. The problem would be the load time each time would probably be irritating and people would get frustrated with it. But on another down, slightly down note, from from the reviews I've read and whatnot, the it works. The whole procedure generated thing works pretty well, except for once in a while, it'll put like an elevator in an extremely awkward position. Or like with acid pits or something goofy going on to where it's almost impossible to get to it and successfully get up or down it. Uh, same with like power-ups. They end up in a weird, awkward spot. 
that kind of thing. So once in a while, it's like, what the heck's going on here? But for the most part, it works out really nice. And so it adds more replayability to it, which is awesome because, you know, I remember being a young man playing Quake and Doom all the time. I mean, I just go through them stinking maps over and over and over again. And they were the same thing, as you said. So after a while, no matter how fun it is, you're like, okay, look over here, shoot him. Okay, move over here, shoot him. Here we go, moving through, moving on. And the other nice part is this game, as the other games do, you know, you get your shotguns, you get your pistols, you get your machine guns, you get your rail guns, and then throughout the game you're collecting scraps, which you can trade in to get money to upgrade the guns. Each gun has a secondary fire method and then power-up items to make it more powerful. So, you know, the standard, the standard gimmicks, but tried and true, they're always a lot of fun. Nothing's better than just running around collecting all them scraps, knowing you're about to make that shotgun the death machine that you know it needs to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100% agree with that because I think these are the guys who did the the Serious Sam HD upgrades and then I believe Devolver Digital is the crew that did the, the recent two Shadow Warrior mm-hmm. games, and those had the exact same deal where you can upgrade every gun. I believe they had secondary fires too. So yeah, playing through that first Shadow Warrior was a blast. That was one of my favorite experiences from the last couple of years. So knowing that that same... Maybe not the same team, but those same guys are behind this game doing, you know, a similar concept. Actually, really gets me excited because I hadn't heard anything about Strafe before it came out, and now you're starting to you're starting to get me excited for this game. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I saw it uh, a few days ago, actually, right when the buzz started kicking in, and I was like, "What the heck's going on?" And I started looking into it, watched a couple reviews, started watching some gameplay videos, and now I'm like, "Oh, 1999. How do I get this?" How do I get this without getting in trouble from the boss? Son of a gun. <laughs> and I can promise you, if you're curious and you want to know if this is something you might like or not, uh, just go check out any of the major you know, venues because they've all got a cool little intro gameplay trailer. And you'll know immediately whether it's something you're going to like. It starts off with a... Uh, a little trailer like an intro like hey you're welcome to this space station and it's a you know a real chick and she's so cheesy and so ridiculous and it's just ah oh. I'm like yes this is the way it's supposed to be so another throwback to those 90s FMV sequences mm-hmm. with the terrible acting yes nice. oh it is it's so awesome she's got like a low cut dress on just it's so stupid it's so ridiculously uh, awesome oh god ah oh. nice yes so check that out i think if you liked any of those games, you'll be on board and you'll be thinking just like me, hey, where's my 1999? Because I want this game. Number two. Now, next up in what might be another recurring segment on the show, I found a really cool story on Kotaku and it made me interested in something and I went and researched it and I found out a bunch of cool stuff. So I'm going to read for you guys the headline that really caught my eye on Kotaku. The headline is, in this fighting game tournament, each round lasts two seconds. What? What, what the heck? So they went and found some info from a, an arcade in Japan called Mikado, and apparently they do a big fighting game, you know, a series of fighting game tournaments called Street Fighter Carnival every single year. I believe it runs from something like October through either the end of the year or a little bit overlap into the next year. But Mikado focuses a lot on older fighting games from the 90s, some games like people haven't heard of. And in this one, it's a game called Galaxy Fight, which is kind of a, you know, a sci-fi fighting game. It had a couple, 
you know, interesting gameplay mechanics back in the day, but I don't think it got a big audience. And the only reason I know about it, it was I, I was on the old Zany Video Game Quotes site. Back in the day, back in the 90s, anybody who was on that site is going to remember this game as soon as you see pictures of it. But they said what they did to make this tournament interesting is they set the round timer down to one second. So, hey, round one fight, you got one second and then one more second on the clock because it stays at zero. And you have basically two seconds to get some damage in on your opponent. And it's really, you know, it's a weird concept, but at the same time, I've, you know, I found it really interesting because... I've always been a fighting game fan, but I've never been, you know, particularly amazing at them. Once you see start seeing high-level play, it's kind of that, like, oh, I could never do that. Or, you know, everyone's so, you know, such an expert on the games. Well, this move has five frames of invincibility, so if you use it exactly at this time, right when you know that this attack's coming, you'll, you'll pass through it and this and that and this and that. And I thought this, you know, this two-second time limit really boils it down, you know, boils that whole often inscrutable, you know, fighting game genre, boils it down to its very core. You jump in and you got to attack or you got to block and then counterattack in those two seconds. That just doesn't even seem real, though. Two seconds. I mean, it's two seconds, for God's sakes. It's really cool, though, because I think in that Kotaku article, they had a YouTube video from Mikado's account showing off, you know, this tournament. And it's two seconds is longer than you think, even though it is pretty short, because, you know, some of the matches that you can see, they'll jump in with a kick or, you know, they'll try to do some kind of screen dash super move. The opponent will block it, turn around, hit them with a little light punch and do just enough damage to win the round. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just really kind of compelling in a, in a weird way. Maybe you got to be like a, you know, a big fighting game nut to really appreciate it, but it's just... Like I said, it really distills it down to its essence. You got two seconds. You got to get in there. You don't have time to, you know, do a fancy turtle technique. You can't do this or that. You got to get in there and you got to do well, it. Well, you don't even have time to wait and see. You either attack or you hope to God he does and you get to block. That's kind of the cool thing. It's just you have to have a plan. You got to go in there and just either it works or it mm -hmm. doesn't. You know, you, you don't have time for all these fancy counters and stuff. I don't know, it just it just really appealed to me. And watching it, I mean, it's a little goofy because watching the, you know, the footage from Mikado, it's, they're kind of broadcasting it like normal fighting games do, which if you've ever seen from Evo, they're like, oh, oh, I did it, whoa! So it is kind of funny, but just the the actual moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of it, the, the one-second-to-one-second gameplay, it's just, I don't know, it's just really intense and really interesting. really makes me also think of another game that was released, I think it was sometime in 2013, a game called Dive Kick, which did a similar thing. There were no time limits on it, but there were two buttons you could jump and you can kick, and that's basically all you did. So it really, again, boiled the game down to its very essence. That game had one-hit kills, so it was, if you jumped and then you kicked, kicked the guy, then you won. I think it was like best out of 10. So it's these rounds that would go really quick unless, you know, you had two experts going at it. But again, another game that kind of boiled fighting games down to their very basic elements. Good for casuals too, which is another thing that they were talking about in the article is maybe this is a good way to get your non-fighting game friends into it. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But at the same time, I understand where they're mm -hmm. coming from because I'm the man. I know every single move. But if I hit you in those two seconds, I win, you know, basically. Yeah. So go ahead and check out Mikado's YouTube channel because, like I said, they do a lot of the forgotten fighting game, I'm going to say quote fingers, classics from back in the 90s, like uh, Fighter's Destiny, all these other really old ones. So 
if you want to see some high-level play of those games that everybody's forgotten about. I want to see some Primal Rage. I'm pretty sure that's going to be in there. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah, as a longtime fighting game fan, I just thought it was a really interesting story, really interesting concept, and really interesting to hear about this series of fighting game tournaments I'd never heard about in Japan, how these old games kind of live on. Number one. So to wrap things up, we got two pieces to this little pie right now, both sad bits of news. But I uh, thought we'd talk about it just a touch. Alan Wake, and for those of you who don't know, this was uh, the developer was Remedy. This game came out many, many, many years ago. It's been around for quite some time, and it, it never got quite the justice it deserved, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, here we stand. For those of you listening to this, it's going to already be over. What had happened was the music licenses, many of them in this game, are coming upon their expiration dates. And they don't know if it's going to be worth it to, you know, re-up them. And they said it's definitely not going to be worth it to try to go in and change the code and put in different music, etc., etc. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, so what they did instead was they took 90% off the price on Steam for the last 48 hours it was available. Wow. Yeah, so from May 13th at 10 a.m. Pacific time through May 15th, Alan Wake was only $3. That is a phenomenal deal for a phenomenal game. I loved Alan Wake back in the day. Mm-hmm. I I just can't say it enough. This game was a ton of fun, and I just feel like nobody got on board, or at least not enough people got on board. And so saying this now doesn't matter, because if you got it, you already got it. If you don't, you're just, oh, it's too late. I'm not helping you get it, because it's already gone. However... What I am doing is telling anybody out there who already did have the game, don't get rid of it. Don't uh, say, well, you know, I'll just, if I could always re-get it again someday, blah, 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 blah. No, you can't. It's it's gone. This game is probably going to be retired forever. They didn't say it's going to be retired forever yet. They said they're looking into what it would take to relicense the music again. Mm -hmm. But, like I said, seeing this game's been out forever... They're probably not going to want to spend the money on messing with it anymore. I don't see where it that there's going to be that much profit in it for them. So I would bank my money on the fact that it's probably just going to be retired. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, which is a shame because the music in Alan Wake is, well, I mean, at one point, no spoilers, it is actually crucial to the story. It's mm -hmm. a part of the story, but it really makes the world that you're in in Alan Wake more alive because you've got... I think, like I said, at one part of it, there is this old band. Oh, that, I love the metal. <laughs> this old band, you got to get back together. You got to get them, you know, to do all this stuff. And they, you know, they have this basically like catalog of hits in the game you can listen to on, I believe it's the uh, record player in the diner. Mm -hmm. It's another one of those things where it's it's a small part of the game, but it really makes it more alive. It makes it you know, an actual world that you're living in. Pretty much the same kind of thing that they did with the Max Payne games. Each one of those had a specific theme and, you know, from, I believe, the same band because it's the same developer who worked on, you know, the first two Max Payne games that did Alan Wake. I don't know. I, I really love the music in that game, so it's a sh it would be a shame to see it go just because of that because it is such an integral part of the game. Yeah, I just want to say rest in peace, old gods of Asgard. Rest That's in right. peace. And of course, I'll just will state that there was a a David Bowie song in there too, and that's also expiring. So, ah, uh, okay. So it's just all sorts of problems with that. Now, 
before we move on to the second piece, I will say that the side story, Alan Wake American Nightmare, is not affected. They did put it on sale alongside Alan Wake this mm-hmm. uh, this whole last weekend, but you will continue to be able to purchase that that particular game uh, all by itself going forward. So there's no worries in there. If you haven't got that, pick that one up at the very least because I played through that one and had a whole freaking blast with that one as well. It's not as good as Alan Wake, but it was fun enough. Well, that one's a little more like horde mode, right? Like more yes. action-based. Yes, yeah. very much so. More, yes. Constantly enemies coming at you. You're just basically running and gunning, going for the objective, that kind of thing. So then moving on to part two, we got a relationship down the tubes. This happens, Matt. This happens. I mean, it happens in real life and it happens in, in business, I guess. But on the 12th of May, after they announced that they were thinking about doing this a few days beforehand and then finally announced that, yes, Square Enix is stopping their partnership with IO Interactive, the makers of Hitman. They're going to be looking to sell off that developer or, you know, just get them out from under their publishing umbrella. What I thought was really interesting on this is as I was looking into info for the story is this announcement came literally on the same day that Square Enix announced record profits, record sales for, you know, the past fiscal year. Like, I think they were up 20% in both because, you know, big releases like Final Fantasy XV and stuff. And then the more details I read about it, it's like they have these record profits and stuff, but then the cost of selling off IO Interactive or breaking off their partnership with it it turned their record sales into what's going to be a record loss, like forty-three million, or it's gonna you're gonna go from hey look we got all this money to hey now we're in the hole again. It's just it just really didn't make sense to me. That part doesn't make any sense to me either. Yeah. I, I just imagine they're the only thing I can imagine, which is all just craziness, is that they just want to clean clean house a bit, mm-hmm. and that they took a look at all their properties and everybody you know along with that and just. Hitman's kind of, it's got its following, no doubt. Like, people who love Hitman love Hitman. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it kind of just out of sight, out of mind. Like, for me, I, I have no desire to play Hitman. And even though somebody, you know, I know goes, oh, it's great, it's great, I swear, man, I swear. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. And I still give it no time of day. I think that's part of it, too, is that's what their statement says. In order to, you know, streamline our focus, we're focusing on these franchises that are, you know, Big sellers. Or, mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't say that, but that was obviously the the intent of what they said, which I do think was interesting because Hitman is a game that a lot of people love. Like you said, I just think that this recent Hitman, the way that they changed the whole model of it. I mean, they did it like they did an episodic release of it, like it, like a, you know, like a Telltale game or like Life is Strange. They had you know episode one of Hitman, which gave you like a training level and then one actual level, and then every few months i think they released a new level so i think that is what really hurt them because i was trying to do as much research as i can and find out the sales numbers for the previous hitman which was a full you know boxed release or digital only or you know digital release that you would get you'd pay one price and just get the whole thing right away in your hands so hitman absolution i believe is what it was called from what i could tell it sold about somewhere between like 3.6 and 4 million units at this point, and all the details I could find on the recent Hitman, which is, you know, again, hard to quantify because there's different episodes of it mm-hmm. and who knows who bought what where. But the Steam charts says that there are 600,000 owners of it, and then VG charts had about five, another 500,000 between the two consoles. So you add up almost 4 million on one hand, and then the follow-up 
is just over one. I could see why they why they took a loss on it and wanted to get rid of it, but still at the same time, it's you're, you're kind of comparing apples to oranges because you got full release here and then episodic release over there. But you also got to remember too that one mil for this episodic that was just for episode one. Right. So right. you know, in theory, with the the time having to be put into episode one, the assets, et cetera, et cetera, that's a success. You know, and I, I think IO Interactive, they up to up to now anyway, was saying that it was a success. You know that the stories I was I was seeing as I was looking at it was, you know, they said it was a success like around the time that the last episode came mm-hmm. out. So I think you got more people jumping onto it. The weird thing about it is, you know, people are saying, well, it's episodic, so you can't really judge the numbers based on the episode one release. But don't you need episode one? To get all the other ones, I'm not 100 percent sure, but that's how it, it seems should to still me. be your four million that you had for the previous game, because in theory these are all your fans who are going to be on board for the whole thing. Right. So therefore, you you would think the numbers would be higher. Although speaking as a big Hitman fan, kind of like you said, as much good stuff as I heard about the most recent Hitman, the episodic delivery system, even though they did even between the episodes, they've released like special targets. They would be in missions for a limited amount of time. So they they supported the game between the episodes. I think that episodic delivery system, the, the whole episodic nature of that game, really threw longtime fans off because I'm one of those longtime fans and I haven't touched Hitman because I wasn't sure what was going on with it. It sounds stupid because, oh, well, it's going to be episode one, two, three, four, five, six, but it's just... Were you going to get your money's worth or should I just wait for the definitive edition when all the episodes were out? Exactly. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting that they went that route, but when I remember back when they announced they were doing that, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I actually thought about maybe checking it out. It's easier on the palate to sit down and go, all right, I've got this four to eight hour experience here I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then I can walk away and wait three months or four months or however long it is till the next episode and do it again. Instead of like a game of Hitman, you know, how it used to be. Here you go. Here's like hit after hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. Never ending. Uh, I don't really. I don't know if I'll like that. Eh, I don't know. It's interesting. It was something cool for them to try out. Apparently, <laughs> Square Enix just wasn't jamming with it and decided to cut them at the end of the day. However, they are in negotiations trying to get them picked up, you know, somewhere else. And I don't foresee it being an issue. They're the guys who do Hitman. Like, there's going to be a studio that's going to want to go ahead and be, you know, published for these guys. Because it's going to be money. That's guaranteed money. I do 100% agree with that. Another interesting twist on the story that I found as I dug a little deeper is something that I'd forgotten about because it happened, I think, again, four years ago, was in uh, in 2013, there was an announcement that you know Square Enix was still the, their publisher back then, but they had ordered IO Interactive. This was just after, I think, maybe eight months or so after the release of Hitman Absolution. Mm -hmm. They had ordered IO Interactive to cease operations on any project that was not Hitman and then cut their staff by about half. Mm -hmm. I remember that. This might have been a rocky relationship from the start. I'm not 100% sure on this, but like you said, these are the guys who do Hitman. They make amazing games. Hitman has always been good. These are the guys behind Kane and Lynch as well. Oh, yeah. I used to love that game. Mm. Gosh. But, I mean, they make solid games. Everyone loves their games, so I don't think there's going to be any problem with them getting picked up by somebody. The only question is, are they going to be able to keep the Hitman license? I would assume so, but I don't know the legal ins and outs of their deal with Square Enix or anything. And the other thing that is a little bit sad for the 
2016 Hitman owners is I know IO Interactive had planned two more full seasons for that game. So those are totally mm-hmm. up in the air right now. And I, I would assume that those aren't coming out from anybody anytime soon because if Square Enix sells off IO Interactive and either keeps or gives away the license, you're A, not going to have the team that made Hitman to make Hitman anymore if Square Enix keeps it. And if IO Interactive keeps it, they're not going to be able to add on content to a Square Enix game. It's just going to it's going to go poof. So people are saying the future of that is up in the air. I think the future of those two seasons is just dead. The only question is who's going to have the Hitman license after this all plays out. I agree. I think the two seasons are going to be kaput, but there's no way they're going to sell IO without giving them, you know, their their IP because that's where the money's at. You're not going to say, "Hey, here's this thing you guys created. It's been your baby for God knows how long now. We're taking it away." And we just want to sell you people. I mean, once you take the IP away, now you're just random developers, artists. And I'm not saying they're they're a great crew and they they're awesome. Obviously, they're you know a ton of great games. But you get what I'm saying? Like when you buy a company, a developer like that, you don't just take away all of its 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 titles. I mean, I <laughs> I, underst- I understand go. what you're saying. It doesn't make sense on a you know a good business practice level or a good you know a I guess I should say a kind business practice level, but. If you're a cutthroat business person, it makes total sense. We bought them. We got two of their games. We're going to get rid of them, but we don't want them to make a whole lot of money using this franchise that we can now technically own and make ourselves. You know what I'm saying? I would hope I would hope that's not the case again, but... I would say you can rest assured it won't be the case because if they were going to do that, they would just shut them down because by shutting them down, they automatically absorb all the IPs. True, true. So they would just say, sorry, boys and girls, you're out of a job. And away you go. And now we have Hitman and everything else that comes with it. I don't think they'd say, we're going to try to sell you, get you a new publisher, you know, make some cash off this deal, and take away everything. Because no one's going to buy them if they're just some developers and artists, etc. I mean, no one needs, like, a whole house. Like you said, they're an amazing team, That's though. True. If you're looking for an off-site team, you know, hey, we can we can put some of our properties... In, into your wheelhouse and have you make them for us. That makes sense. I guess. It's possible. And we've seen some really shitty business deals coming out of, you know, Japan lately, the whole Konami fiasco. Yeah, we don't speak of Konami anymore. If somebody's got the Konami bug up in their brain over there at Square Enix, again... I don't think it would be that way, and I really hope it wouldn't be that way, but anything's possible in the world of business, dude. You know that. True. True story, but, you know, I like to believe Square Enix wouldn't do that. I, I hope not, because I like them. I've played billions of their games. Don't, don't do it. Say, I don't want to have a frowny face on my conscience for one of these publishers that was such a big part of my childhood. I haven't played a lot of Square Enix games lately, but they're still one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, those guys are always good. Those guys are always awesome. I don't want. I don't want to have to turn on them. Neither do I. Neither do I. So we shall see if we see anything big come out of it. Of course, we'll go ahead and let everybody know on another IG two G. That's right. And other than that, unless you got anything else, it's time for the wrap up. Let's wrap it. Imposters wrap up. So as you guys know, as we say in the open, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network. So if you guys have any questions for us, any topics you'd like to cover, any suggestions for how we can improve the show, you can email them to us at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. 
And this podcast drops every two weeks, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 30th of May for our very next episode. You can find those episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, pretty much anywhere you can find some podcasts. We're going to be there. You can find us. I just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate y'all. And, of course, Mr. Matt, what would anything be without saying, Don't Don't forget forget to to save. save!